I'm excited to see what you think of this. So a lot of this research was taken from Draco Malfoy's werewolf.com. <laughs> by Brittany and Nick. I have a feeling this is a slightly biased source. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. All right, and welcome to the Book Drawer Podcast, where both me and my friend Megan discuss book-related news and topics on a bi-weekly basis. How are you today, Megan? I'm good. I was freezing in your basement earlier, and now <laughs> I have a hot cup of tea. Hot cup of tea, and, and we're blanket. upstairs. We're in a new location yes. in my house, which is very exciting for everyone who can't see us right now. Yeah, it's a change of scenery. <laughs> I uh I appreciate it a lot because we are actually facing each other for once. I don't know why in my basement we have a setup where I'm like craning my neck to look at you, but I don't know. We thought it looked better for no one in particular. For no one in particular. <laughs> Just for our own little happiness. Yeah, it's like no wonder my I have a crick in my neck every time I wake up. <laughs> I'm like, like, oh. It's like, oh right, I recorded last night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so how this works is we have a book jar. It is a literal jar that has a whole bunch of topics in it, which I realize is not next to us. We'll have to get that for the, the end of the podcast. The jar is left in the basement. <laughs> in no. the basement. It, every, at the end of every episode, we pull our next topic out. So last week, we pulled a topic involving a lot of fan theories, which I'm really excited to talk about because we just spent maybe like two hours in my house talking about it. So like I feel like we're warmed <laughs> up because there was a lot of controversy there. Yeah, but, it triggered me. <laughs> triggered, triggered both of us. <laughs> we will be starting with our most recent read. So how has that been going? The life just faded from your eyes. Like, and I don't know oh. if that was intentional or you were just trying to get your list. I mean, it's a little bit of both. It's a little, a little bit of, um, you know what? I didn't do horrible. Like mm. it, reading physical words right now has been very difficult to me. Like, okay, <laughs> I finally finished Gods of Jade and Shadow. Okay. And it that took me over a month to read, though. Yeah. It just, I was just not feeling it. You know, it was a good book, but it was like, wasn't what I was in the mood for, I feel like. Mm. So, yeah, okay. I really struggled to get through it. Right. The last probably like 50 pages I was like really invested in. So, I yeah. like powered through that. But like, other than that, like, I liked the concept. I liked everything about it, but it wasn't just, it wasn't like captivating to me. Okay. And then, so there's that one. And then I also listened to an audiobook called Molly's Game. And this is a memoir by Molly Bloom. She was kind of this high stakes poker lady. How do I describe this? Poker player? <laughs> she wasn't a poker player, but she organized these like really high end games with like celebrities and really rich Wall Street people and Hollywood's elite, like all this stuff. And she mm -hmm. made like tons of money doing this um, and kind of worked her way up. And then, you know, she never went to jail or any. Well, I think she was in jail for a little bit, but But like it was mostly legal, everything she was doing. It was just right. super interesting how she dealt with all these like very rich like famous people and like i don't know it's really cool it's an interesting memoir if you're interested in that kind of stuff cool recommend. love that it's also i think a movie or something on netflix so i'm gonna watch that and see how that is uh i love that and yeah okay yeah what so, are you what did so, you read well i doing? i read a couple books <laughs> a couple or like more than well, a couple more than a couple 
So four. Oh yeah, that's a couple beautiful. times two. Couple times two. Couple squared. Couple squared even. <laughs> couple coupled. Couple couples. <laughs> couple couples. I read a couple of couples of books. Um, and so I read. I finished out the Percy Jackson series, which was um, I had already read the first one, so it was uh two through five. So that was kind of why I like definitely still counted towards my reading goal and everything. They are middle grade books, yeah. So like it wasn't like the same as reading like. I don't know. Bronte always takes me a while to get through. So right. like something like that. But like it was really enjoyable. I really love it. I actually think like part of me is glad I didn't um, read these as a as a child. Yeah. Because I, I think I would have become unhealthily obsessed with Greek mythology. And I'm glad that, you know, I had, you know, I was already like unhealthily obsessed with a lot of things as a child. Right. <laughs> right. So I feel like we could have. It was, it was probably a good thing that it wasn't like also this. Yeah. But I did I did really, really enjoy it. I think it was super fun. I'm really excited for like the new TV series now mm. that I've read it. Yeah. Because I actually think they're giving a lot of really great, like it, the casting is really great. Like I don't know if you know, he played a part, I don't know the actor's name, but his, because I'm terrible at that. Yeah. But he played uh, a part in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and his name was Pimento. And the actor is like crazy. Like he is like he plays these like like absolutely insane characters that just like do you kind of know who I'm talking is about? He's he, got like kind of like curly hair. Yeah, and, like, he was dating Rose. He was dating Rosa. Rosa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I remember. He was him. like the the cop that went undercover mm-hmm. for like a really long time and like lost his sense of self. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and that was in Brooklyn Nine Nine, but they cast him as Dionysus. Which I think is like the most perfect casting ever. And like, I'm just excited to see him in that role because. Yeah. Is that like Dionysus characters kind of like that in the book? Well, or is yeah. It- so, like, at one point, like, they call him Mr. D and he's like been charged to run the camp, like Camp Half Blood, because he's being punished by Zeus mm-hmm. for, um, well, they say like chasing after a nymph, which very much, you know, implies he, uh, he was, he was, uh, having a little little affair with a nymph that Zeus really oh. liked, which is not a good idea if you know anything about Greek mythology. <laughs> probably wouldn't probably wouldn't mess with Zeus. Anyway, so like he is in charge of Camp Half Blood, but he doesn't want to be, so he like kinda hates his life and he he's not allowed to drink wine. Like he's Dionysus and he's mm-hmm. not allowed to drink wine. Mm-hmm. So he just keeps like longingly wanting to drink wine and he keeps like eating grapes. Aww. And just being like so sad that he can't have his wine. He's literally the god of wine. And then <laughs> in the one book, the part that really reminded me of like the same kind of character that this actor always plays is he's like, oh, Percy, like, you know, like, will you like look after my son? And like, he was like, like, he did this thing where he was like, look after my son. And then when he, when he like did, he was like, oh, yeah, that was cool of you. But like, like, like really deadpan about it. And I was like, this, is, this casting is going to be great. <laughs> like, awesome. This is so, I don't know, so funny to me. I love it. Um, anyway, I really enjoyed that. And right now I'm reading The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip oh, Williams. That sounds interesting. Which I am very much enjoying. It is historical fiction, hmm. which I thought it was like more magical realism when I actually bought the book um, because it sounded so outlandish that i didn't believe that it was like a real thing but it is a real thing oh so it's about how they compiled the first oxford dictionary mm-hmm. 
which is really cool. Um, and they did it in a really weird way, which is like, it sounds weird. And then you're like, how else would you compile the dictionary? And you're like, I don't have a better answer. So I guess it was the best way, but it's still weird. Yeah. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. It's kind of like a, it's a little bit of a feminist, but I'm like a feminist read. Um, I'm only about a hundred and so pages in. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, that sounds super cool. Anyway, so yeah, those are my books. It's pretty impressive. As per usual. As per usual, I I am on a reading little spurt right now, which is great. Are you above your goal? I'm five books ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to be ahead. Yeah, I, I might have to adjust it. I think I'm like, I'm a couple hundred pages away from my pages goal. So I think I'm just going to opt that one. Oh, yeah. Because like... It's October and I'm already hitting it. So like, let's just, let's just raise the bar. Yeah. Let's see what else not? you can do. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's transition over to our main event tonight, which is going to be all about fan theories. So the mm-hmm. question last week was favorite fan theories mm-hmm. about books in which like I struggled with this one weirdly enough because i feel like a lot of the fan theories that i have have either already been disproven which like makes them less fun for me yeah or they um like aren't actually fully plausible which then again doesn't make it as fun yeah or they're just really obvious yeah so i found that like a lot of the ones that i was like thinking of or finding were like really just like they've already been like confirmed by the authors so they're not really a fan theory anymore and like also then there was like a whole bunch that have been like very much said no by the author and then it's like that yeah. kind of ruins it too so yeah. like i don't know maybe authors just let let the fan theories live on <laughs> yeah and i don't know and i know like a lot of these series are finished and stuff like that and you're like well dang they never this never came true for my fan theory but I don't know. I still like to believe. I mean, I, I think that's fair, too. Yeah. I know you have a couple, like, deep dive ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get started with one that I know we can both kind of relate to. And it's, it's a smaller than one than some of yours. Okay. Uh, so it's about Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really love this one uh, because there is, like, I think the favorite thing about fan theories is they kind of do fill plot holes, right? Yeah. And so Sailor Moon Universe, what's missing? It's Sailor Earth. Mm-hmm. Why is there no Sailor Earth? Yeah. So the fan theory is that Queen Beryl, who is one of like the early, she's kind of seen as like a big bad, but she's not the actual big bad of like season one in the newer anime and then like also the first couple books. But she was actually a corrupted Sailor Earth. And so the theory goes on to kind of explain that um because so she was like it's canon that Beryl was like in love with Edminian or uh Tuxedo Mask for those who don't maybe dabble as far into Sailor Moon yeah. as I have uh but ended up getting herself brainwashed by uh Queen Metalia and then she became Queen Beryl so she has the remains of the um like when she's killed the remains of the golden crystal become part of like Edminian's golden crystal. So it's kind of like there's, there is like a connection there. And so the theory is that she was actually Sailor Earth and like Edminian is the prince of Earth. Earth. Yeah. that's okay. So she had a connection to him automatically. And that was part of the reason like she fell in love with him. And that is also why 
all of them like have this kind of connection to Beryl and they like there is kind of this moment where they don't like there is like this sympathetic mm-hmm. kind of moment where you come to understand like her story and how sad she is. Um, I really like this one. It's like pretty it's one of it again, it's pretty easily like disproven because I feel like it would have been really easy to just mention if the author had yeah. thought of it. But I do love that idea because I feel like it is a big plot hole that there's no sailor earth. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a good point. Why? Unless, yeah, they just really wanted Prince Earth. Prince Earth. That doesn't work for me. Prince Earth. I hate it. I hate (laughs) it. No, there's got to be a Sailor Earth. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. Yeah. I think it's it's simple and it doesn't change too much about the series, which I like. And that's nice. Some like fan theories don't have to be huge deep dive things either. They can literally be like one one little tiny thing yeah that you just describe something or explain something a little bit easier for Mm -hmm. readers and stuff so i like that one a lot Mm -hmm. well you know here we here we go we're gonna start with uh my first harry potter one oh good surprise surprise megan has harry potter fan theories who would (laughs) have thought so this was the first one i thought of when we like picked this topic okay and i think i've seen it on like tumblr you know back in the day but it's Draco Malfoy is a werewolf. And let's get into it. A werewolf. <laughs> I'll, I'm excited to see what you think of this. So a lot of this research was taken from Draco Malfoy is a werewolf.com <laughs> by Brittany and Nick. I have a feeling this is a slightly biased source. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Um, anyways, I suggest like if you're interested in that, check it out. There is like a subreddit on Reddit. Um with comments that prove and disprove it. So it's like really fun reading through it. Um, They're thinking that he would have turned in a werewolf between the Order of the Phoenix and the Half-Blood Prince. So they start off by saying Draco is not a Death Eater. Um, So when Harry is hiding in Borgen and Burks, you see Draco threaten Borgen by showing something on his arm. So Harry assumes it's the the dark mark mm-hmm. but in the books we don't actually get to see what it looks like or anything like the movies is a whole other thing so we're not even gonna we're not going there we're no. not going there okay guys so anyways um yeah it's not revealed to readers anything like that um so by this time in the series we kind of know harry's like an he can like jump to conclusions super easily and assume stuff s- super easily yeah. and it's not like correct in any way mm-hmm. but then like jk does this little thing where he'll wake up in the middle of the night and it's like, that's correct. Like, whatever yeah. he's thinking about, Mel Knight's like, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or whatever he talks to Hermione about, if she believes him, then that's the correct thing. So he goes, talks to Hermione, you know, tells her, like, saw Draco with the stark mark, believes he's, like, Death Eater. And she's like, no. Like, that's not right. It can't be. So they're, they're like, this could be a thing. Like, maybe Hermione, this is, like, that situation where Hermione is right and, and Harry's wrong. I have a feeling that scene has fueled a lot of <laughs> Hermione Draco fan fiction. Probably. Because I don't remember this part, but her being like, no, that's impossible, sounds like something that someone secretly in love with the person would say. Like, <laughs> like no. what do you mean my secret lover is a Death Eater? How there's dare no you? <laughs> so there's, a, there's that. Um, which, I mean, that could be very loosely. Like, that one is a bit of a stretch a little yeah. bit um there's also at the end of the sixth book there's like a barrier for at the astronomy tower right and that only lets people with the dark mark go through Mm -hmm. so they say 
it's written that the barrier goes up after Draco goes up the tower and then comes down when he leaves the tower. Right. That didn't come out. But like basically he's not actually going through the barrier. Right. Like someone is putting it up and down so oh, he doesn't have to have the dark mark. So that's another thing. <clears throat> um, and then he's also never really treated as a Death Eater and there wouldn't really be a reason for Voldemort to give him the dark mark at this point in time. So then they're like, well, what could he be then? Like, if he's not a Death Eater, they're thinking that he could be a werewolf because, one, he's, like, sickly and stressed out through the whole book six. And we are led to believe that's because of his, like, secret quest or whatever from Voldemort. Mm -hmm. Um, But that could just be, like, leading the reader astray, basically. Right. Um, We're introduced to Fenrir Greyback, who is the werewolf who purposely bites people's kids, like, people who's messed up. And mm-hmm. like whatever to Voldemort, he like bites kids and turns turns them into werewolves. Right. So like, why would you introduce this topic if if there wasn't more there? Yeah, like why aren't we expanding on this? So they're thinking because Lucius like mishandled Voldemort's Horcrux, like Riddle's diary, that this could be that unspeakable punishment that he got. I actually really like this one. Isn't it? Good? There's so much more, but there's like little things throughout that like Valdi says. Or does, and like if Draco is a werewolf, he's no longer considered a pure b- blood. So the Malfoys, instead of following Voldemort in the end, they go on their own because mm-hmm. they're not going to be protected by Voldemort, anyways. So it's super, super interesting. I um, actually really like that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, that one is probably one of my faves. And it really makes, like, if that's true, and like this is one of the ones where the author was like, yeah, that's not true. Like on her Twitter. And like, I'm sorry, but it wasn't written by anyone. So, yeah. It it's like, we don't care what you think. Um, <laughs> this is not your story it's anymore. It's not your story anymore. But it just makes it super interesting, like, especially with the relationship with Snape, because Snape would ha- could give him Wolfsbane to like lessen the symptoms for, yeah, for being yeah, a werewolf. Yeah, totally. And so that just makes it's like, totally it's viable. Thing. It's a whole thing. And like some people are thinking like maybe that was the original plan. Like maybe it got cut out of book seven or maybe it just so happened that these clues were they just a coincidence. But either way, like I really like that one that Draco I like could that be one a lot. Like, I like I, that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And like you can't look at the movies or anything like that. Like it's strictly no, 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 the, no. the seven books. Yeah. So yeah, that's okay. I know you have another Harry Potter one. Yes. That you want to talk about. <laughs> so I want you to just go ahead with that one because just do it. Just let's just dive <laughs> right. right into it. So yeah, like came across this one researching Harry Potter fan theories, whatever. Right. And it's Hagrid is a Death Eater. So Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you don't like this one. <laughs> I don't like this one. And I will talk about it after you kind of explain why. There's belief there. I will say that somebody on Reddit, mm-hmm. which we will link in the description of this podcast, so you can go and read it for yourself, and also to understand like where this is kind of coming from. They do have a lot of evidence. Yes, I yeah, I have I have just like a general dispute of most of it, but I get where they're coming from when you read it. Yes. So why don't you go ahead with like some of the like bigger bigger points or like your fave ones i guess yeah like kind of point out that was like oh so yeah first of all this document which we'll link and everything is a 22 page google doc so that's how you know this person was serious they're Mm -hmm. gonna die on this hill yeah um is how i'm feeling (laughs) yeah yeah so 
they this go. This is their favorite fan. This theory is for their sure. favorite fan theory for sure, and I think I included it because I'm just like appreciate the work that went into it. Like I, it's I will say, so I disagree with the theory. Yeah. However, I do think that the work put into this is like so much fun. Like yeah, absolutely. And if you yeah. love the theory, like that's fine. But mm-hmm. like I, I you have, or if you hate the theory, that's fine too. Like I'm kind of on your side. But I love the work. And I love the passion yes. for it. Yeah. And that's what makes like these worlds fun and like mm-hmm. and these fandoms fun is that you can do this stuff and people are like either accepting of it or not, but they're still like open to it. And that's yeah. what makes it great. So for the Hagrid is a Death Eater, like you kind of have to start with figuring out that like Hagrid, like I don't mean some people may not have heard this theory that Hagrid is like one of the, the p- most powerful wizards and everything like that, despite um dropping out of Hogwarts in his third year you know like he's kind of like portrayed as this like bumbling oaf who like you know just befriends Harry and his friends like he doesn't seem like to be that big of a threat but there's a lot of evidence especially in like book one um he demonstrates stuff like he gives Dudley a pigtail which is like a and he does this non-verbally with a broken wand so it's a like transfiguration is like a pretty powerful um like spell so not only does he perform the spell but he also like is going against wizarding laws and safety of muggles so it kind of just shows like he doesn't really care about that stuff you know like he's just Mm -hmm. like all powerful all this stuff um Hagrid knows about the function and effects of horcruxes and that Voldemort used them so there is a scene where he says like he's kind of the first character to allude to this in the first book, and he says, "Some say he died. Um, cod swallow up, in my opinion. Don't know if I, if he had enough human left in him to die. Right. Most of us reckon he's still out there somewhere, but lost his powers, too weak to carry on. So, like, it kind of like you could say, like, maybe he, as a Death Eater, he's like aware of this of the Horcruxes and Voldemort's plan. Mm-hmm. So they kind of delve into that. They kind of." Sh- show that Hagrid is able to do unaided flight, which he probably learned from Voldemort because Voldemort and Snape are like the only ones that are supposed to be in the known wizards to learn this. Um, There's just like a lot of situations where Hagrid is putting Harry and his friends in like sketchy scenarios that could like either kill them, put them in danger, get them expelled. So they're not like getting their full potential potential um of training everything like that like that's kind of what this person really focused on um and then that how he had all all these high power connections and that you know he conveniently had Voldemort or harry meeting like voldemort's um like servants and then there is one in the first book where um he act they think that he personally delivers harry potter to voldemort in the forbidden forest so where um Draco and Harry are on detention and they are told to go down this path for the Forbidden Forest. They come across Voldemort and Draco runs away and Harry Potter's left there. But the only reason there he's not attacked by Voldemort is because Ferenz comes and basically saves him. So that's kind of like there's a lot of evidence I just thought it was like super interesting to be like, okay, mm-hmm. is Hagrid actually this evil mastermind who is just trying to be friends with Harry to deliver to Voldemort in the end? Or is he just conveniently clumsy and putting Harry in, <laughs> like not realizing he's putting Harry in like kind of, you know, scary situation, like situations that he could be at risk. Yeah. <laughs> so I think just my main issue with 
the theory itself. Yes. Again, there's a lot of like unwittingly a lot of evidence to point that like maybe Hagrid was not so great. Yeah. But I always bought into the like Hagrid is actually like one of the most powerful wizards in the world. And because the only reason he's not like Dumbledore or Voldemort level is yeah. because he was not trained. And I think there's a lot of evidence that points to oh, that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What I don't buy about the like him being a Death Eater thing is a lot of his actions are just seen as being really kind, caring, and protective of Harry. And I can't really untie that enough to like buy into the like, oh, he was setting him up. Even though like there are situations where I feel like it looks like he could have been. Yeah. I do think at the heart of his hearts, he's just trying his best and just failing miserably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. And I just, I, I think that that is, is part of it. But I think also like it just, it, I don't buy the fact that if Harry had somebody who was close to him in that way, who was actually trying to betray him, that it wouldn't have come up. Like, it's just like Hager could have been like, hey, meet me here, like after Voldemort returned in the fourth book and just like handed him over kind of thing. Yeah, which like he totally could have. And like, you know, yeah. in the fourth book, you could argue that Hagrid like led Harry to the finals and to touch that port key to get delivered to yeah, Voldemort. Yeah, and then it's but just then like after so that point, around. like then why doesn't he do more yeah. to like betray him? Because, like, there's so many times where he could have just literally gotten Harry alone and then handed him to Voldemort if he was working on his side. And I think that's where it falls apart for me. I do think there's, like, maybe the explanation that at that point he's come to actually care for Harry. And, like, yeah. so, like, I could buy into that a little bit more. Yeah. And, but yeah, I like also that makes sense. Yeah. But also, like, you, ha like, Hogwarts is protected against Voldemort, too. So that could have been a big thing of delivering Harry's. Like, how often did Hagrid get Harry? off property you know like i guess the detention thing in the forbidden forest that was like a yeah but even you know if he would have sent harry a note and been like hey meet me in the <laughs> forbidden forest at midnight like True. harry, harry would have done it invisibly cloak went and met him and then voldemort's there and we get a really shitty ending to book five instead of yeah, it would have just been books. a shorter series shorter series no big deal that I uh I do love the thought that went into it and I do I do appreciate that. I do think there's a lot of like understatement about Hagrid's character. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also like something that's really interesting about this theory and why it works. Is you can tell there's a lot more going on. Yeah, like I would honestly it's too bad there wasn't like a spin-off or like more background into Hagrid. Like I feel yeah. like it it took a long time for us to even learn anything about Hagrid. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it's sad. He's a great character. I uh I yeah, I do appreciate the work that this person put into it though cuz like you said there is a lot of evidence. So I I do I, I do really like that part of it. Mm -hmm. I A lot of Harry Potter bums me out to think of fan theories because I think the author who shall not be named has like really ruined a lot mm -hmm. of fan theories mm -hmm. in one way or the other. But basically, I just saying stuff that like didn't need to be said or like, you know, continuing a story on her Twitter account, which I just think was like maybe a little bit fun at first, but like really got old fast. Yeah. And I just think like part of it just came down to like wanting too much control over it and then that kind of bummed me out. It's also like yeah. really weird the way it ended and everyone just like grows up and has kids. It was a weird ending and like honestly like <laughs> same with like the whole Draco being a werewolf thing. It's like I just feel like if someone guessed what she wanted to do before she revealed it herself, yeah. she would totally be that person to be like, Very actually similar. you're wrong. Like, At, you know. Same, same <laughs> thing with like Stephanie Meyer. 
Yeah. Who like purposely didn't put out the book because of from like Edward's perspective because it got leaked. Yeah. Like she was like, no, now you guys don't get yeah, it. I'm going to like, punish okay. you guys for being more clever than me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I that's another. So that is another book that I actually have a great fan theory of. Mm-hmm. And I saw it on TikTok and I did not save the TikTok. So I cannot link you to the TikTok. Oh, no. But if somebody finds it and like wants to send it to us, like I will happily link it mm-hmm. in this uh, description here because I am not trying to take credit for this. This was definitely not my fan theory. And I would love to uh, because the person had also put quite a bit of work into it. But this girl on TikTok, she broke down how Renesme is set up perfectly for a villain arc. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be fabulous. Do I think Stephanie Meyer is going to do this? Absolutely not. She's not brave enough to make the right. golden child of Renesme. Yep. I absolute villain. Also, just a side note, in this TikTok, they never once said the name Renesme. It was like Renegade and <laughs> Romboid. And so it was it was really <laughs> funny. I love that trend also. Mm-hmm. For clarity's sake, I will be referring to her as Renesme though. Uh, so the the evidence of this theory was that Renesme is growing up in a world in which she enchants everyone who sees her. Oh. And that is actually like canon that Mm -hmm. like people when they see her they are enchanted and that's how they get most of these vampires on their side is they just show them Renesme and she is so beautiful and so like which is hilarious because in the movie it's just definitely terrifying (laughs) it's yeah but in the book she is like this beautiful like doll basically Mm -hmm. and like like just this like ethereal being almost to them and so growing up in an environment where everyone reveres you that much is really interesting. Also, and I think this is where I, th- I think it's really interesting. It's very clear that Bella and Edward do not love Renesme as much as they love each other. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, Bella was willing to like, you know, like she was willing. She she made sure Renesme would get out of that situation if the fight had gone south. But she wasn't like, like, I honestly believe she would have died with Edward before anything else. Like, absolutely 100%. Right. And so you have this world where they just like are really in love with each other. And like, she's kind of like an afterthought. Like, she definitely wasn't planned. She definitely wasn't intended. Like, she's going to know that growing up. Also, the person who loves her more than anything, life, life itself, which is very creepy relationship with Jacob, Ugh. is just an absolute horror story in the making because he went into that house to kill her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So imagine finding that out. I like, yeah, the love of my life was trying to kill me when I was a little baby. Yeah, and... <laughs> So I, it's it was all all this evidence points to the fact that Renesme will probably never actually believe that anyone loves her because everyone she right. meets mm-hmm. is enchanted by her, and even the person who is supposed to be like her life partner, like everything, like whatever she needs him to be, like that bond, whatever you want to creepy bond, <laughs> creepy creepy bond yeah. uh, with Jacob was like founded potentially on the fact that she is one very charismatic. And two, he went into that house to kill her. Yeah. He wanted to destroy the baby that was taking Bella from him. And that knowledge is really interesting to put on a monster child. Yes. And I would love if this the spinoff from Renesmee's perspective 
was her slowly becoming the villain. That would be super cool. I would read that yeah. in a second. Yeah. I do not think Stephanie Meyer is brave enough to do that, but that is my favorite fan theory about that Twilight. That would be so interesting. Like, just, like, thinking about reading about Renesmee right now is, like, boring as heck. Like, I don't even want to read about Jacob. I don't want to read about no one. Like, give me some villain vibes. That's I want, what I want. I would love... Because you know what? At this point, like it would also prove, which is undoing a little bit of the work that she was trying to prove in the fourth book, which is why she would never do it. But I would love to hear that they were wrong. Yeah. And that the Volturi were right. Ooh, that'd be super Right? They wanted to destroy that child because the child was dangerous. And it yeah. would be kind of interesting if the child was, in fact, dangerous. Yeah. Like they're not wrong. Yeah. They're not wrong. That would be really And I mean, cool. she can still have like redemption arcs and stuff. Like I'm fine with that. But like if she was a villain for a second, I would be, I'd be on board. <laughs> I love that fan theory. Isn't that great? That's a great one. Isn't it so sad it'll never happen? Yeah. I was like, I guess we'll see when the book comes out and yeah. I'll be sad. And It's one of those ones that like that would make me love the series again. I, I would totally a lot read more. it. Yeah. I would totally read it if that was the case. I definitely have no interest in reading I anything else. I have no, else. there's, it's no. not happening. No. I like that one. Some people are so clever. You know, like I don't I don't have fan theories. <laughs> like my brain doesn't function that way. I, I just struggle getting through the book. Yeah. I, know. I, I have romance theories. Like I have like headcanon romances and that's oh, about yeah. that's usually where I end up. There's a couple that I, I'll get every once in a while, but they're usually like confirmed in later books. Right. And it, and it's more like I just caught foreshadowing kind mm-hmm. of thing um and then it stops being a fan theory which is less fun but also kind of fun because i was right you know yeah like, I get yeah. To be right. <laughs> yeah love that for me no but i yeah i i get like headcanons and mm. for like romances and i i ship yes. people and I, like i love that stuff yeah i have a lot more for video games which is really funny because mm-hmm. i just i have a lot of theory like a lot of theories about various video games but like for books no i just usually either think it's like a thematic thing or or I let other people convince yeah. me of the fan theories, which yeah. is interesting. And like I do a lot of like reading, especially if it's like thrillers and stuff, like I'll be like, well, it's probably this person because of this reason, this reason, and this reason. Mm-hmm. And like if I'm wrong, like, you know, they can usually convince me otherwise, like why the person yeah, like, who did it I'm, is did it. And yeah. I'm like, fine. But like that's like, yeah, as far as my imagination goes, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it could be this because of this reason, but. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, clever people out there. Yeah. Do you have another one? I just have a little short one here. Okay. Um, so Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So this is from, it's probably posted elsewhere, but I had Monk Hunter on Reddit was where I kind of read this one from. And it's basically there is no Mr. Hyde. So in the book, um, it appears that like Dr. Jekyll has like, he takes this potion and he's like an alternate personality, which is Mr. Hyde. Um, however, this this poster thought um, it's more so that it's not a separate personality, is but it's a potion that helps him not feel guilty um, about expressing these urges of violence with sex, with torture, with everything like that, because he lives in Victorian London, like that day and age, like and social standing like you couldn't do these things so he this poster just thinks that the potion makes him not guilty have no consequences not affecting his good name and i know there's like a few other theories that like it's kind of like representing like alcohol and inhibition and everything like that so you know he's like his his alter ego is literally hide because Mm -hmm. he's 
he's hiding like it's a disguise interesting yeah it was super super interesting like it totally could work it works like i mean i like both aspects like one is like it's kind of like a supernatural almost type of thing whereas the other one is like he's just a man who wants to you know do some shady things and not feel guilty about it and all of that so yeah love that short and sweet i have a i have another one okay I actually have another couple. Okay. <laughs> so I have one for Akatar. Oh, yes. So <laughs> let's hear it. Gotta know. Okay. So this is going to be spoilers. I know this is a big series. So if you haven't read all of Akatar, uh, skip ahead. This is your warning. <laughs> Elaine is the villain. Elaine. You gotta, you gotta give me you more. You gotta give me more than that. I don't know. So Elaine is one of Feyre's sisters. Okay. And she was thrown into the cauldron like Nesta, which Nesta, mm-hmm. um, so they're up to like the fourth book and Nesta is kind of the protagonist of the fourth book, even though it switches over to third person at that point. Uh, so Elaine is an interesting character because she's really boring. <laughs> <laughs> so like there, there's no substance behind Elaine. Like she's just there and she's like the nice sister and she's always like bright and sunny. And then she gets thrown in the cauldron and it really messes with her. And she can like sense stuff. And it's like very, it's very clear that the cauldron has given her some like very odd powers. And so the theory is that they're setting her up, or Sarah J. Moss is setting her up for a villain arc. I don't think Sarah J. Moss is going to do this because mm-hmm. I just don't think Sarah J. Moss does this. Like I've talked about this before. I, even in loving Throne of Glass and um, not loving Akatar, like she doesn't kill characters. Right. Unless they're unsubstantial. And I don't say that as like a rude thing because there's like some, there's some bigger character deaths in Throne of Glass, but like still, like it's just, she doesn't really do that to her characters. So to make one of them evil, I don't know if she would do that. The only way I think she would do that is if, um, is because Elaine is kind of not anyone's favorite. Like she's right. kind of not paid a lot of attention to her. Anyway, so. The whole thing with Elaine is that she's, like, super nice and, like, super awesome and, like, super sweet and just, like, this really great girl. And she's kind of a dick to the person who's supposed to be her mate. Right. And, like, just a total dick to him. And so the theory is, like, one of the reasons that she's doing that is because she does actually have this, like, darkness inside of her. And also, they're setting her up for a villain arc because they keep rewriting the shit that she's done. Oh, which I kind of read wrote off as a little bit of like Sarah J. Moss inconsistencies. It would be really cool if it wasn't though. Like I would yeah. really like that because she is basically like she kills like kind of the big bad at the end of the trilogy by sticking a knife in his neck. And then it's like very clear that like Nesta like finishes the kill. And then in the future books, they just talk about how Nesta killed him. Oh, And they like take away all of the fact that Elaine was like the first one and he was going to die anyway. And then like Nestor just kind of came and finished the job sort of thing. Yeah. And they like kind of like the characters are retconning it being like, oh, Nesta killed him. Like Nesta killed him. And the theory comes from the fact that she's just slowly kind of fading away from this group and making it very easy for other people to come in. The other theory with this 
comes back to like a throne of glass kind of crossover in which the ring she's given so she's like engaged to this human guy and he gives her an iron ring and after she puts on the iron ring she's like always fiddling with it she never gives it back like he doesn't want it back and the theory is that it's actually a volg ring a witch ring a volg ring from throne of glass it's like the thing that control people oh interesting and i was like that would be kind of cool and i could see sarah j moss doing something more like that where she's like unwittingly becoming the villain yeah because that's that's way more like (laughs) yeah i think and which would like make me less excited because like elaine loses a lot of agency in that version Mm -hmm. i like the idea of her just like slowly becoming evil because like everyone's just like rewriting her own history that's kind of neat i love that head like i love that head canon so much yeah well and i like that because it's like i don't know how many times have you read a book and you're like yeah they just like write this character out slowly and they just disappear but it's like I feel like Buffy's done this before where it's like something odd is happening and like you as a watcher are like, this is so odd. How come none of the characters are like addressing this so that situation? that actually quite a few times in Buffy. So that yeah. Because um, like when Buffy gets a sister randomly. Yeah. For like four episodes, you're like, what the, what the frig? <laughs> um, does nobody notice this? Like what is going on? And then they do it again. I don't know if you remember this one, but it's when she goes, she's in like college and then she's like, they're like the Jonathan episode where Jonathan is like just like a superstar. Yeah. And 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 the whole like the they redid the whole intro too and it's just Jonathan. Yeah. And uh like he's like the slayer and like all this stuff and then slowly the characters are like what is going on here? Yeah. Like they kind of start to realize that they've been under a spell. So that's really cool too. Like to if think that's of like kind of like yeah, if that's what they do and that would be amazing. Elaine, yeah. That's I would be like I don't know. I would love that so much. I love the idea of just like that screwing with your audience. Yeah. In a sense that they they kind of know more than the characters. Mm -hmm. Like at some point they are like, wait, 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 but like you're lying. So I'd be like, where's Elaine? What's what's going on there? And I don't know if this is like some of this is coming from Crescent City, which I have not read yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, interesting. It could be interesting. Yes. I hope it's interesting and I hope it's not just like Elaine is also just like fading into the background like in a boring way. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. Like that's just like crappy writing. Just like lazy writing. It's like when the main character doesn't have parents. Yeah. Or a sibling. Or a sibling. Because they just don't feel like writing about them and making them a round, well-rounded character. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Lazy. Lazy, lazy. Lazy. I, I do have um. I do have one more. Okay. Go ahead. I have that. And this is for a series of unfortunate events, which you actually pointed me to this theory. <laughs> and you were like, I don't know if this is a good theory, but it's about a series I haven't read. So it's the idea that Sir, which is a character in that appears throughout the series, is actually Lemony Snicket, mm-hmm. which is funny because Lemony Snicket is the author, but it's also a character in the book, which I was, I think it's fun um, because the real author whose name is totally I'm blanking on right now is Daniel something. But uh, the Lemony Snicket is a character. And throughout the books, he kind of mentions, and it's not really necessarily always, and it's been years since I've read them. So like, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but it's not like super explicit, but he does imply that he feels a lot of guilt about not helping the orphans in a more hands-on way. And that's never really explained what he means. He's it's just kind of like, oh, like I wish I had done more. 
And it's interesting because Sir is a character who we first see in the fourth book, which is um, maybe not actually the fourth book. It's The Miserable Mill. I think it's the fourth book. But he works at Lucky Smells Lumber Mill. And his face is always clouded with cigar smoke. And Lemony Snicket is never seen. Like any mm-hmm. photograph of Lemony Snicket, his face is like obscured. He's not quite in the frame. He's just always like you never see Lemony Snicket's face either. So it's just kind of like a parallel there. And the second piece of evidence that this person, which is no photograph or no underscore photograph on Reddit, put forward is that in the penultimate peril... Sir is described as wearing pajamas with the letters LS stitched into the top. And Lemony Snicket actually says, I assume they stand for Lucky Smells, like Lucky Smells Mill. But, and like that makes sense, but the presumably is really interesting. And also like it would make way more sense to have your your initials sewn into your pajamas. Yeah, it makes way more sense. The company you work for. Yeah. So... I think that that's really interesting and it also just kind of closes that plot hole of like why Lemony Snicket himself feels guilty about Mm -hmm. like not having helped the orphans because when they come to the mill like he doesn't really do anything to help them yeah necessarily like and they do go on to leave even more miserable lives because of his lack of intervention so like it is an interesting theory I really like it uh I I feel like it could possibly be exactly what he was going for because there's all sorts of things like that hidden throughout these, like the, a series of unfortunate events. So I really like that one. Yeah, I like that one too. Makes it more interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, I just had like an honorable mention. Okay. <laughs> um, so it didn't start out as books, but it's Five Night- Nights at Freddy's. So like the games. Okay. So obviously like now there's like a whole book series, like it's a whole thing now. Yeah. But when I tell you I went down rabbit hole with those theories, like, I don't know. If, do you watch the game theorist, theorists at all? No. Oh, my God. I just, I can't. He has, like, a huge video YouTube series oh, no. on Five Nights at Freddy's. And now that there's books out, like, there's just so much going on there's so much lore like it's absolutely insane so that's something you're interested in like i never played the games i have no interest in it they're terrifying but i will watch a fan theory video yeah on, on five nights of Freddy's. i love that i find like yeah video games i i find have a lot a lot better fan theories so like i'm just gonna mention my honorable mention one yeah because i want to um <laughs> which is dragon age 2 in which it was a rushed game Mm-hmm. Uh, so they reused a lot of the same like areas in the game but the entire game is told from one of the characters perspective his name is Varric and he's like telling someone else the story of what happened in Kirkwall in Dragon Age 2 and my favorite my and I know it's not real but it does explain why like a canon way to explain why there was so many reused like areas is that Varric while telling the story just got bored oh so he was just like or he couldn't remember the actual cave they went through <laughs> so it was just like he was describing the same cave over and over yeah. and over again and I love that one because it's like yeah they were rushed through production so like that's the real reason but it's like a nice way to make it not feel awful when you're playing the game and being like I'm going through the exact same cave again yeah (laughs) it's like no it's because Varric's telling the story so he was too lazy to like invent (laughs) a new cave (laughs) that's funny I like that I like that one yeah all right do you have any other honorable mentions or any ones you want to mention Uh, no that's about it I think I got the main ones out all right well I think we need to draw our next topic yes 
Okay, so we have. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna drop the jar. Don't break our jar. <laughs> jar. Our three dollar jar from Dollarama. <laughs> no tragedy. <laughs> uh, so book you wish you could read for the first time again, and this is from Mike. Ooh. So I I have a book. I'm not gonna say it because it would ruin it. Because I always do this. I start to answer the question yes. immediately. Got away. But I know there's gonna be one at least. That's going to be on both of our lists. I'm really excited to talk about it. Really yes. excited. Yeah. Yes. Like delve into it and why we liked it. And yeah. And why we went on reread it. Or yeah. wish we could read it for the first time. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So what are you reading now? Currently reading um, The Chestnut Man. I'm going to. Sorry. I didn't practice this last name. Soren Svestrup. Okay. I believe it's. Sounds sounds right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a translated book. So, there are some, so far, there are some inconsistencies. But, Ah, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm, the chapters are short and sweet. And yeah, I think I'm going to really enjoy it so far. I love that. How about you? So, as I mentioned earlier, I'm reading The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams. I will be finishing that. And then I'm actually going to toronto for a little bit so i actually will be bringing books with me yeah so maybe i won't get distracted by other books but that's probably not true (laughs) you'd be like oh i'm gonna just hop into the bookstore right now i (laughs) (laughs) totally gonna happen uh i am i'm bringing my Anne bronte book that i've had on my tbr for way too long with me so hopefully i actually get through that one and then i think i'm going to be bringing uh the leviathan with me what's that one it's a very sci-fi book that i have a beautiful copy of that has pink pages oh yes i've seen it (laughs) i can't actually quite recall the author in this moment but i am looking forward to hopefully reading that and then i gotta figure out what other books i'm bringing with me and then hopefully i get through them but uh, aren't you worried your luggage is gonna be too heavy or no i always (laughs) leave room for books yeah (laughs) you're like 10 pounds of clothes, 40 pounds of 40 books. 40 pounds of books. Okay. <laughs> I actually usually put them in like my backpack. Oh, yes. That's and good then idea. I just die a little bit inside as I walk around the airport because it's like so heavy. <laughs> but, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. It's what's important to you. It's what's important. And uh, also, you know. You know, I got to bring books. So that's my plan. And we'll see. I'll probably come back and be like, I didn't read any of those. I took <laughs> them with me and I didn't even read them. Because that sounds like me. Yes. So, yeah. Do you have any kind of final thoughts to add in there? No, I don't. Do you? I do, actually. So oh. in the description, you will find a link to a Discord channel that we have. We've started. Uh, so it's mostly aimed at, or not mostly, but it is aimed at this is going to be how we're running our book club, which is called the 2AM Book Club. Very excited about it. Um, our first book is going to be We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. However, we do have a lot of other like channels in there it, just to talk about books in general, book news, adaptations, what you're currently reading, get book recommendations from people. So if anyone's interested in joining, you do not have to participate in the book club part, although you are more than welcome to as well. But uh, you can just kind of like hang out with a whole bunch of people who really like books which is always fun. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in that, check that out in our description. If you're not interested in that, but you want more content from us, or if you are interested in that and want more content from us, because why not both? Uh, go check us out on Instagram. We are at the book jar pod on there. 
Uh, if you have a question also that you would like us to talk about on the podcast for an hour, uh, send it to us through some DMs and we will add it to the jar. And other than that, that's about all I had to say. Any last, last, last thoughts, Megan? Nothing. My nothing. brain has nothing. Brain empty, which is great because <laughs> we're going to fill it with the words that we read. Yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And I don't know, go, go read a book. Go read a book or two or five. Or five. Why not? Why not? All right. Bye. Bye. Like, what's gonna happen now? What's gonna happen now? Megan's gonna sink. <laughs> yeah. You should have you should have had a singing career. Sometimes I think I should have too. Mm-hmm. <laughs>